0: Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let us prepare our hearts to hear God's truth through the preaching of his word, which begins with prayer. Let us pray together. Almighty God, we pray that you would prepare our hearts to receive the preaching of your word. Help us to put aside all distractions and to focus our minds on your truth. Open our ears to hear what you have to say to us. Yes, grant us understanding so that we may apply your word to our lives. Holy Spirit, transform our lives in submission to you. In Christ we pray, amen. Please be seated. On an unknown date in the year A.D. 1182, a man by the name of Giovanni di de Hierro de Bernardoni, easy for me to say, was born. He was born to a, a wealthy merchant family in Italy. He lived a privileged life, a life of comfort and, and luxury. That luxury came from family wealth, and he was a part of that wealth. However, Giovanni had this deep spiritual longing, a yearning for a life of simplicity and devotion to God. During his youth, Giovanni experienced a series of transformative encounters, transformative encounters with the poor and the marginalized. These encounters deeply affected Giovanni. These encounters affected him so much that it stirred a desire within him to abandon his material possessions and embrace a life. Of poverty and service in a dramatic moment in his life. Giovanni renounced his worldly wealth and his inheritance. And to demonstrate this during a, a, a heated argument with his dad and clergy from his church. Giovanni stripped off his clothing and handed it over to his dad. That's how he did to renounce his inheritance. From this point on, Giovanni embraced the life of voluntary poverty. He relied on begging and generosity from others for his sustenance. Giovanni went on to dedicate himself to living a life according to the gospel teachings of Jesus Christ our Lord. He emphasized humility, compassion, and love to others. He saw poverty as a means as a means to detach himself from worldly distractions. Well and that's what worldly distractions can do worldly things so he saw living a life of poverty as a means to, to be to be let go to be released from these distractions so that he could better focus on his spiritual life, his spiritual life. Giovanni is better known in Christian history as Saint Francis of Assisi. He truly was a man who renounced earthly treasures so he could lay up for himself heavenly treasures, heavenly treasures now his story is one of many, many people in Christian history who have laid up for themselves heavenly treasures, heavenly treasures. St. Francis of Assisi renounced all his worldliness, all his material wealth and his inheritance to serve God. That's big. That's big time. That's what we say we do when we receive Christ as Savior and Lord. But you see, that's how God, that's how our Lord works. Our Lord works in and through his people, in and through his people. God uses ordinary people like Giovanni or St. Francis, a.k.a. St. Francis. God uses ordinary people like you and I to do His work. To do His work, we're thinking that it's going to be somebody special that that glows or something that's going to go do God's work. No, it is you and me, us. We are the ones that God uses. It's, that is totally God, right there. We are the ones that God uses to do His work, to do to fulfill what He is doing in, in, in the story of redemption in the furtherance of the kingdom, in the furtherance of the kingdom. The problem is that we as ordinary people in his church, the problem is that we tend to grieve the Holy Spirit. We have a tendency to quench, to extinguish the power of the Holy Spirit who is here among us, in us. We see the challenges that are set before us in our call to serve God. And we see how overwhelming they are. And who can blame us? Who can blame us? Look around at the world. And so what do we do? We quench. We extinguish the power of the Holy Spirit because we don't think it can happen. Now, how does this all take place? How how does this happen? Well, it begins with our spiritual journey, our spiritual journey to serve the Lord for the furtherance of the kingdom, for the furtherance of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. We, even in this church, encounter what? Hardships, hardships, difficulties, struggles. Make no mistake about it, this is a satanic fallen world, and this world is against the kingdom of God. Therefore, we do encounter demonic attacks, not just against God's church, but against us personally who make up His church. It happened to St. Francis. It happened to all of Jesus' disciples. It happened to all of his apostles. They all encountered hardships. And we will too. And we as his church will do it. It will happen to us as well. God allows these hardships to happen. He allows them to take place in our lives. Why? Well, because he is testing us. He is testing us with fire. He is shaping us, reshaping us like gold burning in a hot crucible. Being reshaped. He has to reshape us. When we're born again, we are outcoming from the world. And, and then he, he needs to be able to use us. So these things happen. The Lord does this to strengthen us to strengthen us, to strengthen our trust and our resolve in him, in him. So here we are. Here we are as a part of his church, investing our lives, just yes, investing our material wealth, our money, and other blessings in God. We're returning it back to him. At least that's what we're called to do. And all the while that we're doing that, serving him, we're under attack. We're under attack by the evil and by the world. That's what this passage is about today. It's about the heavenly treasures. It's about storing heavenly treasures. Our Lord Jesus Christ is speaking about And is preaching about in his Sermon on the Mount, which is the sermon series we're going through right now. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount. Well, here we've come to a point in this sermon where Jesus is talking about storing up treasures in heaven. That right there, just that that phrase, that statement I just made right there, it brings so many questions up in our head. It, it just, it almost kind of knocks us a little silly because he does, like, how does that work? How does that work? Treasures in heaven? Now, as we get started, I want you to remember who is Jesus preaching to? He's preaching to his disciples, his apostles, his people. And he's also preaching to us today, at this very moment. That's how God works on multiple levels. Jesus is preaching to us, his disciples, today. Our Lord is not preaching to the world. The world cannot and will not understand the thrust of what Jesus is telling us today. You, we, are commanded by Christ to lay up. For ourselves, treasure in heaven. Yes, my friends, this is a command. This is a command from Jesus to lay up for ourselves treasure in heaven. This is not easy. It is a challenge for us. It's a challenge for us that are coming from the world, that are used to doing what we want to. That are being influenced or have been influenced by the brokenness of this sinful world. Think about what's happening in the world today, and what they're telling you is right, and what they're telling you is wrong. Jesus is commanding us. He's uh, to. to store up to lay up treasure in heaven that is something that's going to cost us it's going to cost you and us something that's going to cost us our lives. as we look at our text it, it is it is clear to see that Jesus is making a statement and then he is explaining how this statement works how this works he makes this statement he gives us this command and he explains how it works which is what God does. that's what he does throughout his Sermon on the Mount. Wonderful. God is speaking to us. He's explaining to us how He wants us to live in this broken world. It is a command from Christ our Lord for us to obey. Now why would he why would Jesus have to command us to obey? I mean, you think, yeah, 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 everything he says, yeah, yeah. Well, he commands us to obey because if he didn't command us to obey, we wouldn't do it. We wouldn't do it. He commands us to come and worship him, to assemble with the, with his people, to worship him corporately. It's a command. If, we didn't, if he didn't command us, we wouldn't do it. But because we do it, we're what? We're blessed. We're blessed by him. He blesses us, Jesus. Jesus's command is found in verses 19 through 21. And before we continue, I need to define some things that are pointed out in, in these verses. These are some things that are pointed out in these verses. Jesus talks about them. He starts up with the phrase "laid up." In other in other translations, it says "stored up." That's as if you're putting something in a vault, in a vault. He also talks about for yourself. Please note that that's there. He's not saying, store up treasures for me. That's not what he's saying. God doesn't need anything. He's saying for yourself. What? For yourself, what? For yourself. Store up treasures for yourself. These are rewards. In the Bible, it is clear that God in heaven in his kingdom, when we get there, he's going to reward his people different rewards, different crowns. He said, for yourself. God is, is is wanting us to even bless ourselves, to do something for ourselves, to, to work, Now, when we hear to store up, Sometimes we think, well, that's a work, Manny, that's a work. It is, it's an action, and it is an action, and it is a work, because you have to do something, it costs you something. But you're doing it not to be saved, you're doing it because you are saved. You're doing it because you are saved. you got to take action, you got to show that you belong to Christ. That's why it costs you something, that's why there's pain involved in this. You're serving him not to be saved because you're, but because you're already saved. We're being obedient. We're being obedient to God's word, God's law. We're being obedient, not to be saved, but because we are saved. That's how we reflect Christ. This is how we know, hey, he's a kingdom man. He's a king, she's a kingdom woman. Kingdom people here. Not through pride, but to humility, to love. Remember that Jesus is not just our Savior. He is our Lord. We submit to his Lordship. The next thing we need to notice is the word treasures. It's in the plural, treasures. Now, the the Greek of this word, uh, translated to the English word treasures refers to material goods, wealth, money. Yeah, 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 it's referring to that. So that's going to get interesting how we're going to get through this, how we're going to get into this, because that's what he's talking about. Jesus is specifically talking about treasures, and that word in the Greek is referring to material goods, material wealth, money. Now you're getting personal manny now you're getting, well, you've crossed the line there you're talking about my money see how we say that my money but that's what Christ is talking about listen there are times that we get very possessive i mean it's this we think you know what we call it we say oh, i'm being good stewards of the blessing the money that god has given me so i gotta get very possessive I got to treat it. I got to watch every penny. We think to ourselves, I worked so long and so hard for this, or I've made so many sacrifices to get this money, to earn this income. I pinched every penny to save and have a 401k and other things. And in our pridefulness, we think we deserve what we got we deserve what we got if we got to if we have gotten to that point and we have to be honest with ourselves but if we have ever if we ever get to that point if we have gotten to that point then we need to ask ourselves the question that the apostle paul asked the corinthians the same question that the apostle paul asked the corinthians in first corinthians 4 7 When they were thinking like that, this all, their their wealth was their wealth and they wouldn't give anything, if anything to anyone else, much less the church, God's church. So Paul questioned them. He says, do you think you have what you have not received? He asked them, what do you have? What do you have? We can ask ourselves this question, too, because it's coming to us. What do you have that you did not receive? What do you have regarding blessings that you did not receive from God? Think about it. What do you have that you did not? Blessings. Okay, sins. I mean, that's you're the sinner. God is not a sinner. But what do you have? What blessings do you have that you did not receive? From God, And then Paul goes on to ask them, then if you realize that you received those blessings from God, why do you act as though you didn't receive this from God? And he's talking about many things. He's talking about, you know, you you have a nice job. You have a recent promotion. You're married. You got children. You have athletic abilities. You have spiritual gifts. You even have salvation. What do you have that you did not receive from God? If you believe, if we do not believe that we received everything from God, then we're being heretical. We're actually cursing God if we think we got it ourselves, we earned it ourselves, we deserved it. So that if you believe that you received everything from God, why do we act? Why do you act as if you didn't? Why aren't you more generous? Why aren't you more loving? Why aren't you more willing to submit and serve God? These are the treasures that Christ is talking about. Jesus is commanding you. He's commanding us to store up for ourselves treasures, treasures. We are not laying up, we are not investing treasures on earthly things. Now, we are here on earth, and we're living in a here and now, but our earthly blessings are dedicated to God, to the kingdom of God, for the furtherance of the kingdom of heaven. If not, what happens to earthly blessings? They eventually go away. They'll eventually go away. And if you do a good job of maintaining it for all the rest of your life, you end up dying. And what happens? You don't back up a U-Haul to take all your possessions with you, as the as the joke goes. They don't go with you. You lose them. They're gone. Christ is commanding us to lay up for ourselves treasures. That is material wealth in heaven. So how do we do that? How do we do that? By investing in the kingdom of heaven, that's how we do it. We invest in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of heaven, in the here and the now, right now in your life. Our primary focus of these investments must be on his church. Because the church is here for the further into the kingdom of heaven, for the further into the kingdom of God. This means investing, it means giving real money, real wealth, real blood, real sweat, real tears to his church. Yes, we must come and lay up for ourselves treasures, treasures in heaven. This is how the kingdom of God operates in the here and now, in the here and now, through his people. How do we think God's church operates. How do we think God's church operates? Now, I don't mean to get, I don't want to sound like I'm like this is crazy talk. But there are some people that somehow think that God is writing a golden check from heaven and is sending it down to, to earth to, to, to sustain his church, to sustain St. Stephen's Chapel's church. Or maybe perhaps God is doing a direct deposit right into the account of St. Stephen's Chapel or his church. I mean, I don't know how there are people that come up with imaginative ways thinking that I'm not involved in this. You're involved in this if you belong to Christ, if you are a Christian. Listen, we are really good at rationalizing everything. We're good at rationalizing why we don't give. We come up with all types of excuses. We think that somehow his church is going to be maintained and supported by God. And it is. It is. But again, he works through his people, through you. The Lord God Almighty uses his people for the furtherance of the kingdom of heaven in the here and now. My friends, that's that's through you. That's through you personally. Now, don't look around at anybody else in the sanctuary. God is talking to you personally, to me personally, right now, at this very moment. And he's calling you to invest your life. And the biggest idol we have in our life is our money, our wealth. That's the last thing we want to give up. And we're very creative. It's why we don't want to give it up. And mainly it's because we don't trust him. Christ is speaking directly to each of us, individually and corporately, as a church. Oh, but here's where all the excuses come into play, okay? Here are some of the excuses we tend to make. Here are more excuses, because we can rationalize. You know what, Manny? If God wanted St. Stephen's Chapel to survive, he's going to bring people from all over the place. And He does, but he uses you to do it. He uses you and I to do it. And if we're not willing to do it, then we're not serving him. Well, Manny, I don't have the talent, the talent to share the gospel with others. You can't share the gospel with others. You can't say, hey, do you know about Jesus? Hey, Let me get the Bible up. You can be taught the gospel. You can, you can practice sharing the gospel with a cold run before you go share with somebody else. See, that's how we rationalize. We also do this. We do this. You know what? I had enough of the way bangs always telling us about this and that. I'm going to go to a big church, a larger church. You know, I could sneak in there and I can just give them a little, throw them a 20 here and there. Man, I don't know how much I'm giving. You know what else? I don't have to worship every Sunday. It's a big church. Nobody's going to notice that I'm gone. God will. God knows He knows where he ranks He knows where he where you rank them and if you're not putting them first and foremost and you have all these other and they're good look, look at my excuses I had to work and that could happen could happen but if you belong to Christ you're doing your dead level best and trying to change that shift telling your employer whatever hey I cannot worship on this during this time. I work overtime on another day or something. You'll make it happen. But we, again, we rationalize everything. We make excuses. So we won't have to be obeyed. Listen, God is not going to be mocked. He knows our hearts. He knows what we're doing. But here's another excuse. You've heard it. Hey, Manny, I don't have to tithe. You know, tithing was done away in the New Testament. And I go like, where did you read that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, It was done away. Jesus came and fulfilled all the law of righteousness. That's right. He did. But listen. Jesus came and did what humans were supposed to do, and he did it as a human, and that's why we're saved. But if you believe that you don't have to be obedient, that means you don't have to obey any of the laws. You don't have to be obedient. That's how you're thinking. And if you're thinking that, that, the, that the tithe was done away with because Jesus came to fulfill all the laws, you're saying that you don't have to be obedient and give. Look, the tithe is a considerable amount of money to some of us. It's taken right off the top, right off the top. It's been around since the beginning. It was around before Abraham. He gave a tithe. It has never been repealed. It's never been annulled. It's never been done away with. What did Jesus say? Jesus was with his disciples at worship, and there was a poor lady, just a poor lady. She was poor. Everybody knew she was poor. Jesus knew she was poor, and Jesus brings his disciples, and he points at her, and she throws pennies, a penny, in the offertory. Does he say, you know what? She's so poor, she doesn't have to give. Does he say that? He does not say that. He makes the observation to his disciples that telling them that she gave of her poverty. And that rich man, he gave of his wealth. Her giving is more powerful than his. He did not say she didn't have to give. Why? Because God demands all of you. You cannot have any idols. Everything. You have to give him everything. He demands it and he deserves everything we got for his glory. He doesn't want leftovers. He doesn't want 99% of Manny Alanias. He wants 100% of Manny. He wants 100% of you. And if you're in a point in your life where you're just tired and don't know if you can go forward call upon his holy name, he will bless you. He will give you grace. He will bring peace to your life. He is first and foremost in everything we do. Christ tells us that where your treasure is, where your material wealth is, there your heart is as well. Do the math. Open up your checkbook. Look at what you give to, where your where your money's being spent. Where's it going? That's your idol. Where your tra- excuse me, where your treasure is, there your heart as well. And again, the false notion that being perpetrated by Satan himself in God's church, is that we don't have to tithe anymore. The, in the Old Testament, those guys, not only did they tithe, they gave more than that. Some of the people gave up to 50% of everything they got. It has not been repealed. Of course, we are good. We're good at making excuses. We're good at lying to ourselves. We're good at justifying God, our, 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 our actions, so we don't have to be obedient. That's nonsense. We do have to be obedient because we belong to him. That's how we reflect him. In our text, Jesus is calling us to lay up, to store up treasures for ourselves in heaven and we rejoice at that. Look at this. Think about this. We rejoice in knowing that God himself has laid up treasures in heaven for himself. Interesting, right? What are those treasures that God has laid up for himself in, tre- in, in heaven? What are they? They're you and me. We're his treasures. We are. Think about what Jesus said. One of his teachings, what does he say? That he came to bind the strong man. Who do you think the strong man is? Satan. He came to earth. He came down from heaven to bind the strong man, to bind Satan and and plunder, plunder his possessions. You are that plunder. I'm the plunder. We're God's plunder. We're his treasures. And he's calling us to store up our treasures in heaven. And that is what belongs to us, what we say, what we think belongs to us. But it really belongs to him. We are to be stewards of what he has blessed us with. And if we're good stewards, we're going to return it all back to him. We're going to at least tithe. And if you can do that, you will be blessed even more so because you're demonstrating that you can take care of the blessings he has given you our treasures, or our gifts, our gifts, our material wealth, our time, our talents, our energy, our creativeness. In all this, we must recognize the light of Christ in us. That's the light of Christ working in us. We must see through the eye, that which is the eye, that being the lamp of the body, the light of Christ. For it says, for if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be healthy. Your whole body will be full of light. That is the light of the Holy Spirit. Ah, but if your body is bad, your whole if your, if your eye sees darkness, Remember who he's preaching to. He's not preaching to the world. He's preaching to us, his disciples. And he's saying, hey, if your eye sees only darkness, if the lamp sees the, the darkness of this world, how great is that darkness? He's talking to us. And he's saying, look, if you're living like that, if you're not trusting me, if, you're, if, if all you're seeing is the darkness of the world that's being pressed upon you, How great is your darkness? It can all change and it all needs to change. What does it mean? What do we need to understand? Well, my beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to understand that we all have a worldview. All of us. All of us have a worldview. What is a worldview? Well, a worldview is how we look at the world, how we look at life. We all have it. We all come up with our own ways of saying, you know, this is how I think, this is what I think. And before we're saved, it is all coming from the world. Hey, the world says you're a bigot if you don't do this or you don't do that, Christian. But when you're saved, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, your worldview changes. It has to change. You have a fallen worldview, it has to change. If your worldview has not changed, then The conversion by the Holy Spirit has not yet taken place. You need to pray about that. You need to think about that. The Holy Spirit brings a change to your worldview. It changes everything. Your worldview convicts you of things you were doing. So it starts to change because of sin in your life. It starts to change. What do we call that? We call that being made holy. We call that sanctification. It changes your worldview. It must change. It must change. But the world's going to be pounding you and attacking you saying, no, you're wrong, Manny Alanis. And God's word is not true. And if you love the world, you would love the sin of the world. And that is not true. That is, that's condemnation. Our worldview begins to change in this walk called thankification as we are walking with the Holy Spirit. We worship worship God, and we must not do it personally. We have to come together as corporate worship, because here we hear the word preached. And here as a church, we do Bible studies, and we do other things together as we walk with the Lord. And we do personal worship in our personal lives. Everything must change. This brings the light of God into our world. It changes our worldview because we're followers of Christ. Although we may try to adapt, to tweak God's word. And we do. Look, guys, we're good at this. We have a worldview. And then God's word says, no, 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 no. God's word says this. Okay, let me adjust that to make it fit my worldview. That does not work. That means you're rejecting god's word. the only thing that you can do is submit to him trust in him and he will put tests he will test you as you go forth we will eventually if we don't submit we will eventually hate the one and love the other in other words if you try to stick with the world, your worldview, the worldview of the, of the world, as opposed to God, God's view, God's way, then you, and you try to reconcile it. That means you're trying to serve two masters, which is what the text says. We cannot serve two masters. We'll hate the one and love the other. We'll despise the one and submit to the other. Like as it ends, we cannot serve God and money. We are commanded to lay up ourselves treasure in heaven for the glory of God, rather than to lose them on earth for the glory of self. Let us pray. You've been listening to Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching his word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.